Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I'm your host, Ken M. Joining me in the studio is the one and only Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we actually have a lot to discuss in the land of sports right now because mm-hmm. two stories did break. One we were hyping up last week. The other one is breaking as we are talking about. So we are going to just jump right into the sports conversation, join in the conversation at home or wherever you're listening. We hope you're being safe, healthy, and obviously dealing with everything that's going on with C19 the best and, as possible. And binge-watching Tiger King. Oh, there's so much to binge-watch, too. But we'll talk mm-hmm. about that on the next ODPH. But for this one, it's all about the sports. So join in on OchoDuroParleyHour.com, and you can find all our social media links and use the hashtag ODPH because we have a lot to discuss. So let us talk about the breaking story of the future of UFC 249. I'll say the story that's coming so far out of left field it might have entered from Pluto. I have no Holy words. Christ. I do have words, but I have no words. that This is something just completely BSC that I cannot wrap my head around. So- this, is, this is like fan fiction kind of thing, like... You know, if, if you're familiar with that stuff, you know it's it's something that you would you could come up with in your head for a story, but if you were to write this down on paper before any of this happened, you'd be like, "There's no way this this would actually happen." No, right? You can say that this fight card has been cursed since day one. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when you make the main event of Habib, the goat right now, the pound for pound best fighter on the planet, Habib, fighter of bears. Yes, the man, the myth, the legend. Finally. All the stars aligned, and he was taking on the longtime number one contender, Tony Ferguson. Nobody was hurt. Nobody had been hurt. Obviously, the last time they tried booking this fight, Tony got hurt the week of. On On April Fool's Day, blew his knee out. Yes. So this fight has been rescheduled five times at least. Mm -hmm. So all the stars had aligned. Everything was going okay. And then obviously everything going on with C-19 happened. Mm -hmm. And Dana had been very, very hesitant to cancel the card. KG is a good word for it, too. That this fight was supposed to take place in Brooklyn yep. on April 18th, I believe. Yeah, it was supposed to take place in Brooklyn April 18th. And then uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo followed the Center for Disease Control recommendations, uh, basically saying no no get public gatherings of more than 50 people. So I think at that point, Dana said, okay, we'll still have the event in Brooklyn, just essential staff only, empty arena, you know, bare minimums just so that we follow CDC guidelines. And then uh, Governor Cuomo came out and put in a uh, essentially, you know, no non-essential travel, which kind of put the kibosh on the whole thing. Right. So the UFC has not ran a card since March 14th. Yep. And that was the empty arena fight night in Brazil. Yeah. So they have canceled the fight night that was supposed to happen in London, the Francis Ngannou-led ESPN card. Yeah. And they were intending with going forward on that. But I think what ended up happening was either right before or like like a couple days before uh, London put in their own travel ban. So basically none of the international fighters would be able to get over there. Right. So they've been trying to restructure some fight cards, obviously. And like we said, the Nganu card had been canceled. The Overeem card had been canceled for fight mm-hmm. night. So now we are at UFC 249. And I thought this was going to be canceled. We've been talking about yeah. this. That it, it, it's just it's real hard with the number of countries – you, with, that the fighters are from and every country's own restrictions and, and limitations on travel to get them someplace 
you know, just to, to get all the people out of these countries that may or may not have, you know, travel restrictions into a state that doesn't have any sort of stay at home, you know, measures in place to an arena and everything else. It was just the most big, got to be the biggest headache for them. Oh, absolutely. Like this is just a nightmare for all sports organizations going. It's like, if anything could go wrong, it did. Yes. So obviously this fight card, we weren't putting a lot of stock. This was going to happen. No, we said last week they should just cancel it. And you know, nobody would really be upset about it. Nobody can be because obviously everything going on right now, Having a big group of people together in a mm-hmm. building is not a smart idea. No. With everything going on. Social distancing is a real thing. Yeah. And if everybody's following it, we flatten the curve. We slow it down. That being said, the news that broke over the past 48 hours. Good Lord. Pad, do you want to take this? So Dana throughout this entire thing kept saying the fight's going to happen. Fight's going to happen. Fight's going to happen. It's going to happen somewhere. going to happen somewhere. I know he joked on his Instagram at one point somebody drawn a, a mock Post fight poster with Habib, Tony, and himself on the moon with Joe Rogan. And I think believe the caption was, I mean, if we have to. Yeah. I know there were reports at one point that he was looking at Native American reservations and holding the fight there. Uh, there was a couple articles I saw online over the weekend saying that the country of uh, Belarus had offered to uh, host the fight uh, with the head of it, the Belarusian MMA Federation uh, saying, you know, saying there, hey, we've, we're ready to offer our services to host this and report. Reportedly, UFC called it a plan B, uh, you know, but throughout this entire thing, when everyone else, I think, was saying, you know, especially the fighters, they're training for a fight. They don't know where it is. And everyone's kind of sitting there going, you're just going to cancel it. Like, you know, take your money and go home. Like, mm. you know, wash your hands of it. No, we got a result. We got a solution to the thing. Dana's buying an island. Yes, it has been confirmed by Dana himself that he has acquired a private island mm-hmm. to host the UFC I guess for the foreseeable future. Where it is, we don't know. But uh, he's, he told Brett Okamoto of ESPN yesterday, quote, I'll tell you this, I'm close to getting a deal done. So this place where the fight is going to be on April 18th, I have locked up for two months. So I'm going to continue to pump fights out. I've also secured an island. I've got an island. The infrastructure is being built right now. We're going to do all of our international fights on this island. So when we do this fight April 18th, international and in the United States, we're going to start cranking. The UFC will be back up and running internationally and here in the States, close quote. And there is a new main event for this card because yep. Habib could not leave Russia due to travel restrictions. Yep. So we have the fight that, as an MMA fan, I'm separating this from C-19. Uh-huh. As an MMA fan, this is the fight that should have happened in the first place. Uh-huh. And as Justin Gaethje has been entered in, to fight Tony Ferguson. For an interim uh, belt. For the interim lightweight title because obviously with whatever is going on with C-19 and the lengths that fights are going to be postponed because of travel restrictions, Mm -hmm. Habib cannot travel to fight. Yep. So they're making this a lightweight championship interim belt. Uh, So that being said, I've got a lot of issues with this. And questions. And questions. One, you're doing this in international waters. We're assuming that you have a private island. Yep. One, how is this being sanctioned? Mm-hmm. Because obviously is the Nevada State Athletic Commission, who pretty much oversees all sports in the United States, recognizing this? Because we know California said no combat sports until I, I, I for most of the summer, if yeah. not through May, Yeah. that they're just halting anything right now. 
that is advised too that all sports organizations do not run live shows until August, until mm-hmm. we have a real grasp of where we are with C19. So how is this being sanctioned? Two, you're having fighters and their teams travel into said island. Mm-hmm. Now, this goes against everything that we know talking about C19. Mm-hmm. You're, you're bringing X amount of people. It depends on how the fighters are traveling to. I mean, I don't know, but this is... I mean, were you going to have fans in the crowd? Too? No, like, I they mean, can't. They, they can't. There's no way. But you're still going to be having teams travel in for this. And bringing everybody in is just so going against what the standard is right now. I the, the only thing I can imagine they'll, they're doing with this is he says they're building the infrastructure. Presumably that means the building they're going to have this in. Okay. There won't be any fans for this. There's no way that... You know, I would hope Dana, in any sort of good conscience, be willing to risk people's lives to fly them out here all for the all for a buck. Mm-hmm. So that being said, there won't be any fans. I can imagine it'll be bare bones staff in judges, referee. There might be one referee for the entire thing, one or two. It'd be smart just to do one. You know, one or two referees. The judges will be there. You know, any personnel that need to be there, ring octagon side, so medical staff you know, security staff, whatever. But outside that, I can't imagine, you know, the UFC girls or whatever they're called that you see walking mm-hmm. around holding up. The, the octagon they, girls. The octagon girls won't be there. I can imagine that in terms of camps, I know a lot of these fighters, what do they usually like that? Four, five, six guys down at octagon side? Usually it takes about four. I, I'd imagine they're going to limit it to maybe two. You know, mm-hmm. the main coach and then somebody he chooses, to, he or she chooses to bring with them. But outside that, it's going to be very bare bones. It has to be. Like, I just don't see how any organization is going to recognize this. And I mean, like the Nevada State Athletic Commission, mm-hmm. like California. I just don't see how this is going to be recognized because this is essentially going against what everybody has been shutting down for. Yeah, I mean, this is such a headache because, you know, who? okay, who's sanctioning this? Because, okay, that state is, sanction, is sanctioning it, but are they going to recognize it in California, in New York? You know, if it, let's just say it's Nevada for argument's sake mm-hmm. okay let's just say tony ferguson beats gaichi and he's now the interim lightweight champion okay he goes to fight habib in they go to new york again just because the car got canceled in new york okay new york didn't sanction the fight so new york doesn't recognize the fight gaichi's now not the interim champion like how the hell is this going to work and i know in the ufc travels overseas there is a basic understanding that everybody's on the same page that just fights are happening overseas I just don't understand how this is now set with the international sanctions. Mm-hmm. That's that's my point with the argument before anybody starts hitting up on Twitter and saying, oh, well, they fight in Brazil. How is that recognized? I think that by that point, the athletic commissions would be fine with everything going on because obviously with C-19, it's being held in a location that they know about. Right. This and, is and, so secret. Right. And, and in the instances where they're, they're overseas, okay, there's a sanctioning body. There's a governing body in charge recognizing fights and in charge of things that, you know, Nevada and California and New York and all these other states can go, okay, yeah, this is on the up and up. This is good. There's no governing body on this island. There's no athletic commission on this island. There's nobody that like, you know, Nevada, New York, California, Ohio, Texas can all go, oh, no, yeah, this is good. Yeah, we're, we're good with this. Yeah, it just is absolutely just bonkers of how this is happening. Like, seriously, this is some weird Mr. Rourke and Tattoo from Fantasy Island saying, come to the island, we'll make mm-hmm. the dreams happen. This is just, to me, such a wrong idea. I understand you want to get sports going again. And obviously, yeah, we're shut down right now. It's a very tough time for everybody mm-hmm. right now. But to just force the issue 
put fighters at risk and having your commentators, because it's already been announced, Joe Rogan is going to be there. Yeah. Having your commentary team, your camera crews, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, down the line, come there just to have a card. To me, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. I just don't agree with this at it's, all. It's a little reckless. It's very reckless because you're almost ignoring what everybody has been telling you about social distancing and flattening the curve. This is just such a crazy idea to bring in fighters, and especially if you're having them travel from wherever they are in the world to, mm-hmm. to come to this so you can do international fights. It, it, there's just so much possibility for disaster mm-hmm. that, okay, God forbid one fighter gets sick with C-19. Yeah. How do you justify that? Mm-hmm. Just what, because you had to have a fight card? Yeah. And I understand the fighters are going because they want to fight, and, and they're just really you know wanting to do this. And, and like I get this. But I just I struggle with this yeah. immensely. No, I, I mean I do too. I get wanting to have a fight. It sucks not having sports on right now. I mean, right now, I should be watching Yankee games and watching Yankees playing all this and that. And I'm not getting that right now, and it sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, we should be watching basketball games go on in hockey season, and you know, should be still going to Binghamton Devils games, and it's not, and that sucks. But at the same token, as much as I want to see those things, I don't want to put any one of those athletes, trainers, managers or team personnel in any sort of, or put them or their families in any sort of danger just for my own personal enjoyment. You know, they've got families, they've got lives that all mean the world to them. Mm -hmm. And putting those parents, grandparents, brothers, sisters, you know, sons, daughters, cousins, you know, whatever, in danger just so I can have a couple hours of enjoyment, I'm not okay with that. No, this is just so reckless. I mean, that's honestly the only way I can really describe this. That is just so mind-boggling reckless Mm -hmm. that to put fighters at risk like this, and especially I think case in point to Justin Gaethje did release a tweet that said, hashtag for the people, I'm terrified and I effing love it, UFC. Mm. That that kind of sums it up right there. I mean, I'm sure the fighters are happy to be fighting, but under the circumstances, this is so risky Mm -hmm. and reckless. I can't emphasize that enough how reckless this is. That to do the long-term damage of somebody gets sick on your team or you do as a fighter, just just for a match, like it just doesn't add up to me. Yeah, it really doesn't. I know personally, I am not planning on buying the fight because I do not want to support this. No, what anybody else wants to do with it is your your call. We have the message group with the rest of the hashtag Seven podcast, and we talk. I was talking with Rich and Diesel and Ron last night about this. We're, they're not getting the fight either. We no. always usually get a big party together and watch. Yeah can't do this cannot support this idea like as much as i i would love to see the fight between ferguson and gaethje i really do i cannot support this idea Mm -hmm. this is just so insane to me even if they went as far as to say okay fighters are going to donate their their pay from the fight to you know some charity organization towards preventing fighting coronavirus Mm -hmm. and, and we're donating the gate from all the pay-per-view buys to fighting this, I still couldn't support it because you are willingly risking God knows how many people because all of these fighters have husbands or wives, you know, parents, grandparents, you know, family-in-law who's got their own family. Like the tree from this just spreads so far where you you think back to when, you know, the NBA player, I'm blanking on the name at the moment, you know. Oh, Gobert? Rudy Gobert, when he got injured, and I just remember like a day or two after that whole thing happened, how many players 
alone he'd come into contact with or had come had each come into contact with each other from like Friday the week before and it was in the hundreds. Mm-hmm. Now that's just counting players. That's not counting team staff, facility staff, fans, and then you branch out from them and all their families. Like this thing just spreads so far from that alone that you're willingly risking God knows how many people just to put on a card, which admittedly I'd love to see a card. I'd love to see some sport, sort of sports. As great as it is to watch the Yankees Classics game on Yes Network, I know how they're going to go. I know what's going to happen. It's in the bloody description on my TV guide. Mm-hmm. You know, I miss sports. I do. But I'm, at, like I said, I'm not willing to risk Tony Ferguson's family because of a paycheck. I'm not willing to risk Rose Namajunas's family because of this. Or even, I'll even go down to the bottom of the preliminary card on ESPN, Ray Borg. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not willing to risk anyone and his family purely for my enjoyment. Yeah, this is just foolish. I, I am really just going on about this, so I'm probably using the same adjectives. Because for me, this is insanity. Mm-hmm. Why are we forcing the issue against a virus that has obviously affected everybody in the way that we are living right now? That yeah. we are being told, practice social distancing, practice you know washing your hands and such. When you are having this virus going around and spreading, mm-hmm. and to look at where you have, in, it's going all over the world. So it's not yeah. just in one area. Yeah. To have all these fighters travel in, and yeah. there's 12 fights on this card. If I am reading the fight One, card two, correctly. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Correct. You have 12 fighters. So, or 12 fights, two fighters for each one. So that's 24, 24 people. 24 people. Times their camps. Times who is setting up and maintaining said arena. Mm-hmm. Times your or add in your commentators, your commissioners, your medical judges, staff that's on tap. That judges, the ref. To put this many people at risk, this is just bullshit. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm trying to even find like other ways to say it. It's just I get the idea, but the concept and execution are two different things. And you can't do this card, in my opinion. Right. I mean, they have definitely gone and stacked this up. So this is definitely a good fight card had this been held off. But this has taken a lot of the fights that were supposed to happen on some of the fight nights that were previously canceled. Mm-hmm. And Ganu was supposed to headline in his match. He is now on the main card. That uh, I believe Uriah Hall and Jacare, they were supposed to be uh, a co-main. That yep. They're now on the yep. the prelims. Yep. So with all of this being said, it just adds up that they're forcing an issue, and this is going to be a very interesting benchmark to watch. Mm-hmm. Because if this goes off without a hitch, and I hope it does, they're just not getting my money for this one. If this goes off without a hitch, great. Maybe this is going to set a benchmark, Yeah. but I can't see it. And especially bringing in fighters from all over the world, and especially their camps too. You're bringing in so many people. The recipe for disaster is high. Why risk it just to what? Force the issue of being normal again? Mm. Listen, we all want to get back to where things were that we're talking about sports. We're going to the movies. We're going out. We're being very active instead of being staying home. I get that. But for this, sorry, I cannot jump on board with this. No, neither can I. I, I, re- I reiterate what I said last week that I think it's a lot better to, you know, if you really want to put something out, put out something on ESPN Plus or regular ESPN. You know, a, a highlight or a collection of some of your greatest fights of all time. I mean, the first ever UFC, UFC 1, was on November 12th in 1993. Mm. So you're looking at 27 years, or whatever the math ends up being, of of fights. Yeah, You can't tell me you can't put together 
three and a half hours, four hours of content with that big of a backlog. Yeah, just like j- put that out. Just, you know, give somebody something to watch because yeah, it gives us a chance as as longtime fight fans to rewatch some of those fights we haven't seen in a while and go, oh, that was a great fight. I want to watch that again. And you got some of the newer fans who might not have turned in and tuned in until Conor McGregor rose to fame mm. or Habib rose to fame or John Jones rose to fame. And there's a backlog of fights that they've never seen. That you put that on ESPN at like seven o'clock, six o'clock or something like that, that you're going to get them to tune in. You're going to get however many people to, to tune in and become new fans. It's, it's a lot safer and it makes a lot more sense than risking 24 people in fighters alone just for a buck. And plus, here's another area that we haven't discussed. God forbid there's a really bad injury. Yeah. <laughs> How are you going to treat the, that fighter that's hurt that badly? Yeah, because uh, doctors are a little busy these days. Yes. Yeah, so to have a private crew out there, let alone like it's something that we need to get immediate surgery for, mm-hmm. that's another bad look for the UFC on this. Especially where you've got some states suspending non-essential surgeries. Yeah. Like I know Dr. James Andrews, who's you know the, the surgeon every Major League Baseball player goes to for Tommy John surgery, mm-hmm. has shut down his practice. He's not doing any surgeries right now because, you know, let's be honest, Tommy John is a non-essential surgery right now. Right. You know, you've got all these people in hospitals and dealing with being sick and coronavirus and everything. you got to have one of the doctors take up a couple hours to put you back together while you got somebody in another bed sick. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't imagine the doctor being okay with that. It just doesn't add up. I mean, for where it's going to be sanctioned and the, and the ramifications from that, to you have to have the proper medical staff nearby mm-hmm. wherever this island is going to be. Like I said, this I'm calling this Fantasy Island because this is yeah. just a pipe dream that somebody's got to wake up from and see how bad this is. If some fighter, yeah. God forbid, gets seriously hurt, that they need immediate medical attention. Yeah. Sure, you can try flying them out via helicopter or plane. Like, however you're going to transport fighters. Yeah. But are they going to get there in time to get the proper treatment they need? And yeah. especially if you come back to, like, for example, the United States, mm-hmm. as you touched upon, they've suspended non-essential surgeries. surgeries. Yeah. So how is it defined as, as essential? Like, if you have a broken arm, broken leg? Yeah. I, I don't know how that is. I'm not I'll say yeah, the only other option I could think they, they could do, and I know NASCAR's had some success with this. I know the NBA has had some success with this, is do, do virtual fights. Like, I know NASCAR's got mm-hmm. the, NASCAR's got that thing they're doing where it's like the virtual driving thing or whatever, which I got to admit, not a big NASCAR thing, but I've seen those videos. That's a pretty cool freaking thing. Yeah. You know, and I know the NBA is doing the NBA 2K matchups with players from each team, and they're going back and forth. That's really cool. Whatever the last UFC game was, what was it, UFC 3, something like that, get however many, because per- I can't imagine fighters, some fighters in the UFC have ever played a video game or know what they're doing. Get whoever's willing to do it together and just do a card that way. What they should do is suspend Fight Pass and air the old classics on ESPN yeah, during this time. That'd be good. That's all they should be doing. Pick however you want to do. Best knockouts, three hours of the best knockouts. Mm-hmm. Next week, do three hours, best submissions. Something that makes sense like this, because yeah. I just don't see how UFC 249 is going to be successful other than fans might buy it. Some people are going to do it just to do something. Oh, yeah. But then again, if you have watch parties like we usually do, mm-hmm. are you going to be able to have those? Not a recommended idea. Yeah. So how does that pan out and how does that work? It just doesn't make a ton of sense. No. I can't figure this out. So we'll leave it with that to end the segment on, because obviously... We can come back and talk a little bit about the fight matchup if we want, but honestly, Meh. I'm not really vibing on it today. But we'll just get your opinion about UFC 249 is back on track. What is your thoughts, ODPH Society? Are you for this move? Or are you against it? And why? Let's have that conversation on social media, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference. Hey, this is Vince, the Calaman Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast. Coming back for the next segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we have to talk about WrestleMania mm-hmm. that happened this weekend. WWE's biggest event of the year, albeit was held under different circumstances. And just to kind of give comparison to what's going on with UFC 249, the WWE filmed this in multiple locations mm-hmm. that we, we know of at least two. There is rumor that there was a third. Mm-hmm. They were filming in batches, so there was not said that many people in one place at one time. Mm-hmm. So for the social distancing per se, they were adhering mostly to the guidelines. I'll say at most you had the, can't use your fingers to count, uh, announcer and color commentator. So there's two. You had the two, well, we'll make it simple, two wrestlers. I know in some instances there were three or more. Um, you had the, so that's four. You had the referee, which makes five. You had the ring announcer, which makes six. And then you had the uh, camera men. I can't remember how many there were. I want to say two. Only two, so that would put it to eight. And then you had the person ringing the bell, which makes nine. Yes. So under the, the recommended, no more than ten. Right. So they were adhering to that, and like we say, they were doing it in batches. So it was not like we had everybody there once, and mm-hmm. they were cleaning after yep. each one. So they were adhering to the policies put in place. So in comparison to UFC, where we're going to have everybody there at once, they're not filming this like the WWE. That's where there's going to be a little comparison about how much we're talking about UFC and how bad of a look this is. The WWE was doing more precautionary work, so thus we are saying that they did the right thing with this. And obviously, we did have two nights of entertainment on the WWE Network, where we watched the pay-per-view, setting all types of viewership records. Mm -hmm. So... That is the one thing about doing events during this time. People are going to tune in and watch that oh, maybe yeah. normally wouldn't because they yeah. want to get a break. That's why, to kind of even harp back to last segment, it's going to be interesting to see how UFC's 249's buy rates are. Yeah. So I definitely want to watch that when that comes out. But let us talk some wrestling. Sure. Obviously, two nights, so we're going to split this up into two segments. Was this worth the hype, Pad? Uh, yes and no. I mean, it, it was a fun card to watch. It was, you know, it was nice to watch. It was something fresh to watch. It wasn't as fun as it has been in years past just because, and I understand why I'm not harping on it. I'm not mad about it. It's just the fact of the matter was it wasn't as fun as in years past. You know, I know 
the company that would have that made the uh, stage put out, I believe it was like a 3D rendering mm. or, or like some video game looking rendering of what the stage would have looked like. Look it up on YouTube. It looked amazing. Would have been cool to see all the fireworks and cannons get launched from the pirate ship in Raymond James Stadium. But it wasn't as fun as in years past because it was kind of low key. You know, there wasn't the elaborate entrances or the fun, quirky segments or the returns from former stars that you haven't seen in a while that always make it fun, you know. But at the end of the day, I still enjoyed it. Right. Obviously, they could not hold the event on it. Uh, Raymond James. Thank you. In Tampa Bay. Uh, rumor has it, though, that will be not next year's WrestleMania, but the one after. Okay. So I think I that, that, that. I, I, that's been heavily rumored that WWE is going to do that as well Yeah. to make up for it, which is a great move on their part. Oh, yeah, because especially the city lost out on so much money. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, with everything going on, it, it hurt everybody. Yeah. Fans, businesses, you name it. So for the WWE to bring it back to Tampa Bay, I think, is the right move. And however they want to run it back, then they can. But for this one, though, was held in a few different locations. We definitely know the WWE Performance Center was one. Yep. Full Sail University was another where they have NXT. Uh, and when we start going into some other matches, we don't know where they were filmed, but they no, were we definitely don't. not in the building. No. So let us kick off the pre-show, Pad. Yeah. So first matchup. Uh, first matchup on the pre-show was Cesaro versus Drew Gulak with Cesaro defeating Drew Gulak. Pretty standard match, yeah. uh, really entertaining for what it was. We saw the UFO by Cesaro. Yeah, we did. Which, obviously, we have not seen in WWE, so that was a very cool thing to get his WrestleMania moment in. Mm-hmm. Uh, match kind of, I was surprised because I thought Drew Gulag's been getting a pull, uh, push lately, but we'll wait and see how that storyline develops. Mm-hmm. So, so wasn't mad about the match, so I was pretty no. good for an opener. No, it was a good opening match, and just happy to see Drew Gulag on a WrestleMania card, even if it is pre-show. Right. Next up. Uh, after that, you had the uh, WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match with Asuka and Kyrie Sane. The champs going up against Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. And Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defeated the Kabuki Warriors to win back the Women's Tag Team Championships. I said this on the 3FN show, uh, 3FNW, uh, when we were recording about this. This had to be, I would say... Nikki Cross's best match she's had mm-hmm. since she's been on the main roster. Yeah. I fully think that all four individuals involved really worked at this match, really yeah. made it into something. Yeah. And obviously taking the belts off the Kabuki Warriors is not a bad thing at this point. I think no. Asuka is due for a big singles push. Yeah. As she has definitely earned it. And I have no issue with how this match went down. I thought it was good. And I, like I said, it was probably Cross's best match being on the main roster. I will say, though, I think at one point, though, she was trying to make like a clapping noise mm. to get the crowd involved. But I think yeah, just, she was. It's just force a habit yeah. just for them. So yeah. wasn't mad about the ending. No. So right on. No, it was a good match. I'm with you. You know, kind of time for the Kabuki Warriors to drop the belts because I'll be honest, offhand, I think I've defended the women's tag team championship belts as much as they have. It's not been much, you know, which I understand because Kyrie Sane being injured and all that, but still mm-hmm. you want to see the belts defended. Um, I'm, I'm happy with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross winning it, especially since lately something with Nikki Cross, just personality wise and just, you know, like with Otis starting to connect to fans more, Nikki started doing the same thing. And I think I finally realized it when I forget what episode it was where she went and did commentary with Michael Cole and she was and like Michael Cole's like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be down here. Like she just joined him on commentary. It's just something like I don't know if something clicked or she tried something and it started working. She, I just love how personable she is. Yeah, she's definitely endearing herself to the fans more. Not that she wasn't already over no, with them, no. but to go from sanity Nikki Cross mm-hmm. to the version she is now, I think is a great move, and she's winning people over. So more power to her. Yeah. Uh, after that, you had Elias versus King Corbin with Elias defeating King Corbin. 
Not going to lie. I started live tweeting during this. I had no interest in this match. Mm-hmm. I The feud had nothing going for me, nothing against the two performers in it. I just was really not paying that much attention to this. Neither was I. I mean, I only had fun with this match just because my girlfriend hates both Elias and King Corbin, and I was kind of using the opportunity to kind of ribbit her a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, hey, King Corbin might win. No. But, but if King Corbin doesn't win, that means Elias has to win. No. Yeah, I can see Liz Bailey not being happy about yeah, this. Yeah, no, at she, all. she doesn't like either wrestler, so I, I had some fun with it. Uh, moving on from that, you had Becky Lynch defending her Raw women's title against Shayna Baszler with shock of the night, I would say. Uh, Becky Lynch retaining. Yeah, this was definitely surprising, but sometimes Vince does this to the fans. Mm. When something is too predictable, he likes to switch it up to keep fans on their toes. Well, and as we'll touch in a later match, he pays attention to the internet wrestling uh, culture. Yes, he is very He's very, aware. He is very very aware of the IWC. So, that being said, this match was a good match for what they had yeah. to offer. Albeit though, they did copy the first time Baszler fought Ember Moon. Oh, okay. To the letter. Rich, oh, okay. Rich, Rich pointed this out and I was like, "You know what? You're right." Because this is where Baszler had the Kafuda clutch mm-hmm. on Lynch and just did not give it up. Yeah. So thus, uh, Lynch pinned Baszler, mm. even though she was technically out. Yeah. So the rematch should be a lot better. Yeah, that match should be amazing. And I like the promo Baszler had on Raw last night where she was just like, you know, the thrill of victory, the agony, defeat. Like she just kept repeating it. And I'm like, she's going to go nuts on Becky and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And I think they're going to delay the rematch too. Like I would mm. not doubt that this happens at SummerSlam whenever yeah. that's going to be. Yeah. I would love to see it drawn out and you just see Baszler just going crazy on everybody, especially mm-hmm. the only thing that we know is coming up is Money in the Bank is happening in May, so they moved that off. Somewhere. Somewhere. They In the promo during the pay-per-view, they said it's happening, and they gave you a date. They just didn't say where. Right, so wait and see about that, but mm-hmm. I expect Baszler to have a big, big 2020. Oh, yeah. Uh, after that, you had the Intercontinental Championship matchup with Sami Zayn defending his belt against Daniel Bryan, and Sami Zayn retained. I love heel Sami Zayn. Mm-hmm. I am all on board. In fact, I got to give credit to Ghost of the Stratosphere because they were tweeting this out. Sami Zayn is the new Miz. Yeah. If you think about this, the heel, the whiner, the complainer, the doesn't want to get physically involved, but he'll wrestle a match, mm-hmm. and it works perfectly with this with his faction that he's in. Yeah. Daniel Bryan, everybody thought was going to go over, and I'm very very happy that it did not happen. Even though yeah. the, the finisher though was a little sloppy, the yeah. kick yeah. when Brian was coming off the top rope was a bit sloppy. Yeah. But you know, overall, I was very entertained with this match. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to see where Sami Zayn goes with this because yeah. they're actually going to give him a title run, and he doesn't have to get hurt yeah. because he has been very very injury prone throughout his WWE career. Uh, I'm all for this. So yeah. that was a win-win for me. Yeah. After that, you had the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championship in a three-way ladder match uh, between John Morrison, Jimmy Uso, and Kofi Kingston. Now, this wasn't all the team members, as we mentioned, because The Miz was uh, came to the tapings one day as sick. So they modified the match a little bit. So, But oddly enough, and I know we mentioned on last week's show, we weren't sure how this was going to work. I think I said, you know, maybe it'll be, oh, winner of this is number one contender. No, they were doing it for the actual belts. Uh, still an amazing match with uh, John Morrison retaining the championships. This definitely was going into this point of the card by match of the night. Mm-hmm. And they made the right call, which we had mentioned on, on last week's show. John Morrison and Kofi Kingston are no strangers to ladders. Nope. You can go through their indie history and Kofi's history in the WWE. Very used to this. Kofi's been in many Money in the Bank matches. 
So obviously Jimmy Uso definitely held his own in this match. Yeah. There was a lot of crazy spots. Oh, this, God, the yeah. running Spanish fly from the top rope by ah. Morrison. One of the wildest spots I've seen in a ladder match in a long time. That was bonkers. That was absolutely bonkers. And then the finish. The finish was very familiar, mm-hmm. at least to Pat and myself. Yeah. Because if you have ever gone to see 2CW back in the heyday, if you're in the upstate New York area. The, the near riot at the Madhouse. Yes, the riot at the Madhouse when Sean Carr was wrestling one Captain Nick Ando for the 2CW title. And Carr knocked the belt off where it was hanging, and Nick Ando grabbed it from the ground. Same ending happened here where John Morrison wound up falling off the ladder but taking the belts with him. Because they have a harness holding it up. Yep. So Jimmy Uso and Kofi Kingston were both holding it, the harness, but there was no belts. I, I got to say, I like the one person on Twitter, I forget who it was, who said, you know, WWE missed out on a great opportunity of putting those belts on the fans that were hanging from the ceiling. Yes. That would have been amazing. I think that would have been brilliant. Yeah. But, but then again, that could have been disastrous, yeah. too. Yeah. It just depends because, I mean, they're not skinny guys that are going up it's there true. to grab the belt. True. So they could have. Could you imagine if they took down a ceiling tile with that? Oh, my God. That'd be crazy. I mean, it would be mania. So Yeah, it is mania. Uh, after that, you had the matchup between Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, where it took place twice. Uh, the first time, uh, Kevin Owens defeated Seth Rollins via disqualification when Seth Rollins hit him with, in the head with the ring bell. Ow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Kevin Owens said, no, that isn't good enough. Why don't we have a no disqualifications match where Kevin Owens defeated him this time for real? I am just glad that you skipped over the twenty four seven title nonsense that happened. Oh, that still is that comes after this on, on my list. Oh, okay, I had it before. This match with Owens and Rollins, though, we can definitely deep dive in this. Sure. Not, not the first time they faced each other. No, they've had an indie history, so yep. obviously they knew what they were doing to put on a good match. One thing is with Owens, he's always been doing great work in the ring. Yeah, but when you define WrestleMania, mm-hmm. you always want the moment. Yep. Something that stands out to the crowds, to the fans, to everybody that this was my big time to shine. Mm-hmm. Boy, did he ever do one. Yeah. He jumped off. They had a 20 foot, 25 feet, maybe even 30 feet sign. I think it was just the one they hang from the rafters. It was the one they hang from the rafters, but they had it behind the announce table. Yeah, which was a great look. Yeah, it was definitely making the best of the bad situation. And Owens, at one point, climbed up to the top of it. Very quickly. Scaled it. Yeah, and, very quickly and jumped off it, which he almost overshot. If this you, thing, this thing at at its apex, at its top where he was standing, had to be 40, 50 feet off the ground. It, it was something super. It, high. it was high, and just he goes up there, and he just goes out back, and the wrestler and the commentators are like, "Where is he going?" And then, like forty five seconds, to a minute later, he's on top of this thing, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" And this one has had such the good storyline going on Raw that they've been doing some of the best mic work Rollins and Owens mm-hmm. has for this. And even Rollins being the Monday Night Messiah, it was almost like saying, you're welcome, Kevin. You're mm-hmm. welcome. Like, even just being a heel through and through. One of the best matches of the night, too. And yeah. and Owens had his big moments. So yeah. where he goes from here, anybody's guess, but it definitely had his moments. So. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, like you said, where they go from here just because we know AOP's out because one of them tore something again. Tore his pectoral muscle. Again, because that's not the first time that's happened. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's just going to be very interesting in the dynamic to see where they go with this just because I know Kevin Owens has been helped by the Viking Raiders and it's kind of been like a four-on-four type scenario. So it'll just be interesting to see where they go from here. After that, got to mention it, 24-7 title <sighs> matchup where Mojo Raleigh defeated R-Truth via pinfall. Saw that coming. Saw that coming when R-Truth got up there to meet with the host, 
Rob Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. That Rob Gronkowski from the New England Patriots fame. And I'm sorry, I'm just not, I'm not on board with the Gronk train. I I don't really. I see. think I think you know wasn't I'm admittedly Patriots fan wasn't that impressed with his hosting duties. I think it would have been better had there been a crowd because he's definitely a person that likes to feed off of the crowd and feed off of the energy and kind of play off of them. It, it kind of fell a little for me just because there wasn't anything for him to play off of. He's just playing off of a camera and he's not really used to that. I'll have to wait and see whatever they do with him because now that after mania, I think they have some plans for him, but for this segment though, he wound up, quote-unquote, jumping our truth to try being 24-7 title. And then Mojo pulled him off. Mm-hmm. And then Mojo took the belt and said, Bye. Went, back, went back to his gimmick of, like, whoever wants it could come get it, bro. And, like, I'm sorry, I just the hype bro gimmick is not working. And then you woo, have... Woo, woo, Exactly. Didn't work for Zack Ryder. Where's he been on TV? I'm, came, I, I'm waiting for him to challenge... For the bro title, no, he was on, he was on TV. Oh wait, that was that was the WrestleMania 32 re-air on ESPN. Exactly. Like, I'm sorry, the woo woo is just not doing anything mm-hmm. for me. So, this one for night one, Mojo went. It was a nice snack break. Didn't yeah. really care. Yeah. And then what we have up next? Uh, after that, you had the WWE Universal Championship match between Goldberg against Braun Strowman, who was filling in for Roman Reigns after Roman elected not to compete because of uh, The Miz showing up to taping sick. And shock of all shocks, Braun won. Okay. Your thoughts on this match first before I... Uh, Okay match. Was a little concerned when uh, Goldberg started hitting Braun with multiple spears because we've seen that before and we know what usually comes after. But good to see Braun win. Happy to see him win. You know, I know he's gotten buried and kind of lost in the shuffle and in... Kind of put down on the on the card, so to speak, the last couple of months. But good to see him win. Now, my Steiner math is not exactly the best in the world. Mm-hmm. But how many finishers were thrown between Goldberg and Braun in their two-minute match? Uh, two minutes, 44 seconds. Uh, few. I, don't, I wasn't keeping track. Ten. Oh, wow. Ten finishers. And let alone you had Goldberg take out the Fiend. Mm-hmm. The biggest property you had at the time with how many spears? I don't remember. Exactly. I, I didn't watch. Exactly. How this is justified, I don't get it. I, I, well, I, supposedly from the article I was reading today, um, the the change of this was, and I'm going to tease you with this one and come back to it later, Braun wasn't supposedly the first choice for this matchup. Um, get to that one in a minute. Okay. Um, no, supposedly the way this ma- ending was chosen was because this was the last match on Goldberg's contract and that, and, and that he wasn't that he was like this is it I'm not coming back I'm dropping the belt so that's why they went with Braun and Braun won now is because this was the last matchup on Goldberg's contract and he's not putting another one on his contract supposedly for the rest of the year well we'll have to wait and see about that uh no that makes sense I was expecting Goldberg to lose I, in fact I was holding out hope that maybe he'd retain and then disappear from TV, and then give you know the match to Roman. Mm-hmm. So I I'm all right with Braun winning. Like yeah. I like I just I hate the fact I I understand it's 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 a scripted ending. Sure, but how you are booking one versus the other, and how Goldberg, who thank God he did not give a jackhammer attempt because he tried. There was he, one point where they I think he was going for it. He but was he, going for it. He was going for it, but he didn't. There was pull no. It off. There was no way it was going to happen. Well, I was, I was just saying because how, how bad he performed in the Saudi Arabia show. Mm-hmm. 
to see him try doing that to Braun, who is a much larger and wider man mm-hmm. than The Undertaker, mm-hmm. I was just fearing the worst. And this match did absolutely nothing for me. The finishers, like I say, to throw, what, 10 in two minutes, it, yeah. that, that was a little much. And even for Braun and Goldberg, I, I'm sorry, like, good for Braun. Let's see where you go from here, kid. Yeah. Other than that, nothing really. Oh, yeah, I, I enjoyed the match. It was fun. I know I was watching with Liz Bailey. She loves Braun. She was happy to see him win the belt. Oh, yeah, I imagine she was happy. Oh, yeah, she was happy. But, no, getting back to my tease, uh, I won't even try to make you guess because you won't guess who I read was supposedly the initial choice to fill in for this match. Jeff Hardy. You know, okay. That would have been weird. Mm-hmm. That would have been really weird clash of styles. Yeah. Because Jeff, albeit... Not as nimble as he used to be. No, definitely not as nimble. And to take some spots... Because the one thing about him is for Mania, mm. I think if Owens didn't jump off that sign, he would have. Yeah. He would have. He. I can also see them practicing something where Goldberg went for the jackhammer. And then went to like let go or slam him to the ground, and Jeff was able to pull off some like aerial maneuver and, and land on Goldberg. That would have been nuts. He would have done something for it. Like he definitely would have showed up. And Hardy's a former world champion, so mm-hmm. I would have seen it. But I also think that unfortunately Why? for Braun, yeah, like Hardy would have made a lot of sense. Braun did. We'll go from there with that. Yeah. What happens? Because I mean, it's ultimately going back to Roman, but yeah. when everything's all said and cleared. Mm-hmm. After that, it was the last matchup of the card between The Undertaker and AJ Styles in the Boneyard match, with Undertaker defeating AJ Styles, presumably killing said AJ Styles. Had your thoughts. This match was amazing. Um, I just can't give it up. I wasn't, like I said on last week's show, I didn't know what the heck a Boneyard match was. They never even said what a Boneyard match was on the show. We just saw the tape start up, and AJ was in a graveyard, and the match ensued. It was way more than I thought it was going to be, and it was amazing start to finish. Only thing I'll say, they dropped the ball having Biker Taker come back and not having Limp Biscuit rolling playing. I agree with you on that point, but I will say this. This was my freaking match of the weekend. We Well, no, I shouldn't say the weekend. The night. It, it was for the night. This match... Was absolutely batshit crazy. I'm sorry, I'm swearing now. No, it, it warrants it. It was insane. It was absolutely insane to see AJ come out at one point. Like it looks like they're an abandoned. It was like a, it was like a Walking Dead set. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they're outside wherever they are filming this at. It has never been disclosed where they filmed this. Oh yeah, I'm looking at ProFightDB.com, where if you look at any card, it'll tell you where it was, where it took place. This one venue, undisclosed location, comma. Unknown, comma, unknown. Attendance, unknown. Exactly. Nobody's saying where this was held. The only thing you know is this started out with AJ coming out of a coffin. Right. Which he was standing there waiting in this graveyard place, whatever you wanted to find it as. And then you hear Metallica kick in Mm -hmm. and Taker comes riding in. Mm -hmm. And the one, I should say, I mean, it it was like if you're a fan of when Impact Wrestling did the Hardy compound matches in the series. It was right up that alley. Like, well, because they had one of the guys who worked on that working on this. Yeah, Jeremy Borash. Yeah. And it was perfect for the taker because especially yeah. with how bad and awful the match was against Goldberg that they had Super Show yeah. on, he needed a bounce back with this. He definitely did. Well, and the one thing I read with this match is all the trash talking back and forth between them. That wasn't scripted. That was all them just freestyling. Oh, I could fully believe that. Also, uh, taker punching his hand through the window. That was legit. But his reaction... His reaction. That, that also wasn't planned. 
His reaction. Oh, hell. No, like, well, no, that was his genuine reaction. That wasn't supposed to happen, and that was real. That was he a, actually sliced his arm open. He cut his arm open. Well, him and AJ both too, because uh, I think Rich might have been even talking about this too. They when he got slammed on on the stones of the like oh, the yeah. tombstones, he actually got cut himself open too. Yeah, and this just this match had everything that you would expect mm-hmm. for something that's absolutely crazy to happen. You had OC druids mm-hmm. come out and Taker had that weird Captain America Winter Soldier elevator moment. I'm not gonna lie, those druids came out. And I was hoping beyond hope that it would be like Finn Ballard being there with them at some point. Well, I, I figured that maybe they would take the masks off and we would see who this is. Mm-hmm. Like, I figured that maybe that would happen. Yeah. Unfortunately, we didn't. But it served its purpose. They would go in there and then they went on the roof of the building. And mm-hmm. I mean, Luke Gallows got thrown off. Yeah. Carl Anderson got tombstone on the top of the roof. Yeah. Anderson got killed. Yeah. Anderson, got, yeah. They were just killing everybody in the OC. And AJ took the choke slam off the roof through the pallet underneath. Oh and my then, god! And then there was the whole like weird, gonna bury you. No, no, you did good, kid. You did good. You did all right. And then mm-hmm. Taker goes Taker and and buries him. And then drives off in the sunset after with his uh, insignia coming up in neon. Pyro it is something that even if you're not a wrestling fan, there's two things to watch this from WrestleMania. This match. And the Firefly Funhouse match, mm-hmm. which we will get into next segment. But overall, night one pad favorite match and break it down. Favorite match easily Boneyard Boneyard match. Just I wasn't sure what to expect with that, so I didn't go in with high expectations or even low expectations. I went in with no expectations, and my God, that was amazing. For me, top three matches were Boneyard number one without question. Uh, I will elaborate a little bit. Uh, the tag match I thought was number three. Mm-hmm. Tag match really surprised me with uh, Morrison. Uso and Kofi Kingston mm-hmm. just because for trying to pull that off on the ladder and especially in an empty arena they definitely stepped the game yeah. up too Morrison was trying some big spots especially for being his return to Mania right so it was all on board with that uh, number two is Rollins and Owens uh, the storyline has been building since Monday Night Raw mm-hmm. and seeing Owens take that insane jump from the top of the sign I expect Jeff Hardy to do that than anybody probably and then the Boneyard match which Taker is back to being badass Taker I hope he stays like this. Mm-hmm. We, 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 he should only wrestle under these matches because he really got to shine his charisma, which, I mean, he's always had. Yeah. He's always been a very charismatic wrestler in his own way, too. Yeah. But this one, he was just straight biker taker doing biker taker things, presumably killing AJ Styles. So we'll mm-hmm. see how they rectify that because uh, wrestling and reasons. Yep. But overall, it was a fun night for round one of WrestleMania. So we're going to take a quick break before we break down night two. So hit us up on the hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts on WrestleMania night one? We definitely want to know. And like I said, we're taking a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This is Nerd Bomber here, one of the co-hosts of the Online Warriors podcast. Our weekly podcast started as a way for three friends to keep in touch and discuss their passion for movies, gaming, technology, and entertainment. And since then, we've grown into a fantastic online community. Every Wednesday, we release a new episode discussing the latest nerdy news. And then we go hands-on with our weekly adventures and a fun trivia show. Sound interesting? Check us out on every podcast platform, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or hit us up at OnlineWarriorsPodcast.com. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for our WrestleMania recap, night two on the ODPH podcast. And this night, I will say, I thought night one was a little stronger. 
Yeah. But this night still had a lot of stuff going on. This one had a lot more moments, I would say. It had a lot more emotional moments, and it, it worked out. I mean, the WWE had their biggest night of the or the biggest weekend of the year, and obviously they really were trying to say it was too big for one night. They proved it, but then again, in some areas they did not. So mm-hmm. we're going to kind of just dive into that as we talk. So, Pat, kick us off. Yeah, so uh, the match on the prelim show was Liv Morgan taking on Natalia uh, with Liv Morgan defeating Natalia. Thoughts on this? Uh, good for Liv. Good to see her get a win. You know, against they were, they were kind of boosting it up on Raw. I know uh, the next night where oh she got a win, win against the future Hall of Famer. You know, so clearly they've got some big plans with Liv in, in mind. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah, I definitely thought this was a, a decent match for the opening. Uh, really wasn't so bought, buying into it. Uh, Liv Morgan, I think, is going to have a big 2020. Yeah. I, in fact, I will even say on a limb, I'll go on record right now. I think she winds up winning. Money in the bank. Okay. When that is happening. I think for Liv to come back, and especially for the awful angle she came back with. Oh, God. To, to, finally, yeah. get, to finally get some shine, I think, is a good move. And uh, to, to have her get her WrestleMania moment, more power to her. I just thought it was interesting. You know, if faces Natty on, on WrestleMania pre-show, beats her. Then you put her up against Asuka the next night. Just just interesting booking. Well, I think they want to do a little foreshadowing with Asuka, too. Mm. Because I think that Asuka will have a big year, and I think that she's going to wind up either feuding with Baszler or feuding with Becky again. Uh-huh. Like, they have some big plans for her, but I think for Liv, because she was coming off back-to-back big wins, yeah. and to face Asuka would have been a really big deal uh, if she had got the win, but I think it was just to show that she could hang with Asuka. Yeah. Because when Baszler went through the Elimination Chamber and just ran through the Riot Squad... I think you need something to build up credibility back on those mm-hmm. characters. Yeah. Obviously, I Ruby was not there and Sarah Logan was not. I, I Correct. I'm not sure if um, somebody was quarantined or not. I haven't uh, read anything, no. Of, of that group. The only ones I know that were quarantined for WrestleMania weekend was Dana Brooke and Rey Mysterio, and Miz was sent home. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I would imagine we didn't see anything about the Viking Raiders there. No. That maybe other people are i'm not i'm not sure so I, I wouldn't say so i think just with everything going on they were keeping things to an absolute bare minimum had it been a normal wrestlemania where it was in a stadium and all this you would have seen them there they would have you know i think you would have seen sarah logan and ruby show up for Liv's match i think you would have seen uh you know maybe kurt hawkins and then uh viking raiders run in for rollins's match you know the night before but i think just with everything going on and trying to keep things to an absolute minimum you know when you're when you're already looking at in the Rollins Owens case at nine people being in the in that venue going on, you got to throw in three more people with Hawkins and then Viking Raiders. You're pushing it to twelve. Just a risk you don't want to take. It definitely is, and like I said, I am not sure if they were quarantined or not. Like I said, just I was very surprised that we didn't see the Viking Raiders this weekend. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say and. I, I was hoping we were going to get a Riot Squad triple threat match at Mania. So that might happen at SummerSlam, I think. Yeah, SummerSlam would be good with it because yeah. I definitely want to see that match. Yeah. Uh, and then on the main card, leading off, you had the uh, Rhea Ripley defend her NXT Women's Title match, title belt against Charlotte Flair, but Charlotte got the pin via submission. Thoughts on this, bad? Very good match. Loved Rhea Ripley's uh, uh, outfit, you know, and paying homage to Dragon Ball Z wearing the Saiyan armor like Vegeta. Absolutely loved it. Uh, very, very, like I said, I know I said Charlotte was probably going to win and be surprising. Still surprised by it because it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with her on NXT now. Yeah, I thought this was arguably the match of the night. 
uh, mm-hmm. until, until we get later in the show. But yeah. I will say, for the opener, this was excellent. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with who Rhea Ripley is, win, lose, or draw, you are now. Oh, yeah. She had an amazing performance for being 23 years old, too, which I think yeah. a lot of people forget. Yeah. Holding her own against Charlotte. Uh, the ending, not happy with. No. I don't understand it unless Charlotte's planning on doing both, or is she going back down to NXT? I, I don't see her doing oh, no. that. The only upside is it does give us a lot of possibilities for contenders against her. Because mm-hmm. we could see Io Shirai face her. Yeah. We could see Mia yeah. Yim, Candice LeRae. I mean, NXT has such a talented women's division. Yeah. That Charlotte going in there does heighten it a little bit, but it was nothing against Ripley. And, no. and obviously, when they run that back, because guarantee you that's going to get ran mm-hmm. back at some point, uh, it's going to be a completely different outcome. So, Charlotte might have somebody else to feud with other than Becky Lynch. So, I am here all day for that. Oh, yeah. But we'll have to kind of wait and see what happens on the next NXT when Charlotte comes out as champion. Yep. That'll be kind of the tipping point. Yep. Uh, after that, you had Aleister Black take on Bobby Lashley, and Aleister defeated Bobby Lashley. So you remember what I said about Elias and King Corbin? Mm-hmm. Same thing. Yeah, no, I honestly did pay attention and nodded off for a little bit during this match. Not going to lie, nothing against these two matchups. Alistair's, I saw Alistair's entrance. That jacket was insane. Mm-hmm. Something out of Mortal Kombat. But this match, I, I couldn't care less. I will say this, though. The match was better than I thought. Because I, I was still live tweeting, but I was still looking and following the match. A uh, lot better than I was expecting, as I said. And the finish was a little uh, foreshadowing that the Lashley-Lana union is going to come to an end mm-hmm. very, very quickly. Thank God. Yeah. Wipe that off the books and let's never talk about it again. Yeah. So we can see what happens with that. Yep. Uh, after that was Otis taking on Dolph Ziggler with Otis defeating Dolph Ziggler via pinfall. Got to say, this match probably favorite WrestleMania moment in recent memory just because of everything going on. That was really cool. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, this match had so much going on, and this has been the best match or best storyline, rather, that SmackDown has had uh-huh. in months. Yeah, uh, that obviously the buildup between Otis and Ziggler over Mandy Rose has been huge. And we had the big weird computer hacker reveal last uh-huh. week, and I still don't know what to think of that. I thought that was kind of corny, but yeah. either way, the match was was very. I don't want to say okay. It was okay. It was very decent. Uh, nothing really right home about it, except I think Otis is really making it a case for a breakout star. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and Tucker Knight both, I think since the Elimination Chamber, they have benefited the most. Yeah. And Otis really looked like he belonged in a singles match. Like I, I know that kind of sounds really weird to say, mm-hmm. but I, he really just looked like he could hold his own in a singles run. Yeah. Albeit, though, if you're working with Ziggler, Ziggler is going to put you over no matter what. Oh, yeah. One of the best uh, sellers in all the business. And the ending when Mandy Rose comes out to help Otis win, gives him the kiss after, you know, that's your WrestleMania moment right there. This match was like a Fast and Furious movie. You go to watch a Fast and Furious movie, not for the plot, but for the action. Yeah. This match, you don't come for the wrestling. You came for the storyline. Yeah. So it worked on its all fronts. It was a a happy moment because the next match. Lord have mercy. Yeah, we'll break it down. This one was the last man standing match between Edge and Randy Orton with uh, Edge defeating Randy Orton. Uh, time of the match, 36 minutes and 41 seconds. Yeah, it felt long. I didn't realize it was that long. So overall thoughts on this one? Great match. Um, was interesting to see what they could do given the circumstances and given the kind of limited you know, availability of things they had, but they still made it work. I, among many others, am wondering why in God's name there's like a chicken wire fence over the table of that board meeting room. 
the edge was the edge did like a elbow drive off of or whatever it was there was that boardroom with the long table and they had like a fence or whatever it was on the ceiling why in god's name is that there that was confusing but no it just with every like i i'm sure at Raymond James Stadium, this match would have been absolutely bonkers. It probably would have involved one of them jumping off of the, the pirate ship or, yeah. some, or something crazy. But they made it work. You know, this was the match that I know I said, you know, would have been great to have in front of a crowd. But this was probably the best one out of both nights to work without a crowd. Considering the two gentlemen involved, Edge and Randy Orton, long-standing veterans. One's a Hall of Famer. The other one's going to be a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. They've had the best storyline in all of WWE, in my opinion, not just Raw. Yeah. With Edge's return and then Randy trying to, quote-unquote, protect his friend and how they've been going back and forth and the setup of this. And I've said this once. I'll say this again. When Randy Orton is motivated, he is arguably the best wrestler on the planet. Uh-huh. And you just have to motivate him and have him be invested. Him and Edge are very close friends in real life, so you knew Orton was going to step up for this. They went through every single inch of the performance center from the gym area yeah. to the back room to yeah. how they ended the match with building the emotion and Edge didn't want to end this. He had that moment of clarity where he was like, I, I, am I going to really do this to my friend? Mm-hmm. And when he finally sets up the ending concerto, I understand that this was long, but you also have to remember with last man standing matches, yeah. they're going to be long. And the, oh, yeah. and the major thing about these two is they wanted to tell a story and they told an excellent one. Mm-hmm. So that being said... I really didn't have an issue with it. I know that, like I said, a lot. Of, there was some chatter on the IWC about it being too long, but if they're telling a good story, I wasn't really faced by I'll it. Say also, shout out to the ref, whoever he was, for shouting at the top of his lungs the count when they were in tight and closed areas. Yes. That was funny. No, they sold everything about it. It was it was everything was what you wanted to see. And what Edge does after this, I'm not saying he's getting a title shot by any means, but... We'll have to wait and see how this plays yeah. out. But kudos to them. Great yeah. match. Yeah. After that, you had Rob Gronkowski win the 24-7 championship. Greatest title change of WrestleMania. I'll just fill it in for you right now. Uh, that was fun. You know, I figured at some point Gronk would get involved with the 24-7 title at, at some fashion. I was bummed he didn't get it the first night because he was right there. But I was like, all right, he's probably going to win at night, too. So that, that was fun to see. It'll be fun to see what they do with it and who they can get involved with it right now. I know Julian Edelman and he are good buddies and not much is going on these days. You know, maybe they'll be able to get Edelman involved in it somehow. I mean, even more football players, because I know there's a bunch of football players uh, that are wrestling fans. I know Players Tribune had, you know, sports athletes chiming in and out. I know Daniel Cormier was chiming in at one point off Players Tribune. If they can just get more outside people involved with this, not every week, but every once in a while, just to kind of, you know, freshen it up a little bit, add a little flavor to it, it'll be cool. The only way this will make sense to me is if he takes this with him when he goes on ESPN or any other mainstream network and yeah. has to defend it on those networks because <laughs> I want to see the genuine reaction from Stephen A. Smith oh my God. or Skip Bayless or whoever. Can you imagine if Stephen A. wins it? I'm saying it, it, with the 24-7 title, I'd be okay with it. Like, yeah. I, I, I am not a fan of it unless it's on our truth And just to see maybe our truth jumping him on said shows. I don't believe our truth pinning Gronk. For any second. Yeah, but just to see the roll-up of Doom, yeah. as I as I define it, because that's how you win that title every yep. time. Yep. So it was what it was. They wanted to add a little humor. I, yeah, I was it was say, good. Yeah, coming back from the Edge Orton match, I, I didn't struggle with this. No. Uh, after that, you had the Raw Tag Team Championship matchup between the Street Profits and then Angel, Gar- An- Angel Garza. Excuse me, I've been saying that wrong the entire time I learned. Uh, and Austin Theory with the Street Profits retaining their championship. Okay, so this one, as we briefly mentioned, Rey Mysterio was under quarantine. Yep. Because originally it was supposed to be a four-way for the U.S. title. Then Andrade broke his rib in the match of Doom 
that was Ricochet and Cedric Alexander, who apparently now are official tag team, mm. taking on um, Garza and Andrade. So obviously they put Austin Theory, who everybody is very high on, as yeah. it should be, yeah. uh, into this mix of uh, Vega Incorporated, as we'll just call them. Sure. So this match went pretty much as you would expect. A mm-hmm. lot of high spots, though, for, yeah. for, for being... I'm not sure how long this match was, top of my head. Uh, six minutes and 18 seconds, according to ProFightDB.com. They got a ton of offense in on both sides. Mm-hmm. So they were definitely working their asses off. And the ending came in with Bianca Belair coming in to save her husband and yeah. Hawkins from the um, Vega attack that was yeah. going on with them. Yep. So Or Dawkins, rather. I think I said Hawkins. Uh, which uh, played into Monday night because it's now been announced Bianca Belair is coming to the Raw roster. Great, yep. great addition. Which we figured would happen. She'd make a main roster jump after her Royal Rumble performance. Yes. So long overdue. I can't wait to see what she does up there. And if they pair her with the Street Profits, more power too. Like, I'm just waiting for her to cut a promo on Raw at some point and just be like, Charlotte's running from me. You know, she beat me on NXT. So I was going to come after her on Monday Night Raw. But then she went back to NXT. Let me jump in a, a quick thing because the the night after Mania Raw was nothing really to write home about. So no. let me just segue this into okay. Nia Jax returned, mm-hmm. and now she's using Paige's finisher. That's the sure. only thing really notable about that. I am down for a Bianca Belair versus Nia Jax feud. That'd be good. It makes a lot of sense. They're both coming back, or one's returning, the other's coming in. It makes perfect storytelling for yeah. me. Just give them something to do right now because I don't know if they're going to push Nia right to the title picture. No. And, uh, if it well, hadn't been a year since she'd been there, maybe. Yeah. But it's been a year since she's been on TV. I mean, you can do the storyline about her and Becky. Sure. So that could make sense, but sure. I, I just don't know how they do it. So I'd be down for that feud. I think it'd be a good yeah. one to come back with. Yeah. Uh, moving on, after that, you had the SmackDown Women's title match uh, in the Fatal Five-Way between Bailey, Lacey Evans, Naomi, Sasha Banks, and Tamina with Bailey retaining her belt. Really had no invested interest in this. I didn't no. like how the storyline was set up. No. I understand they were trying to book Tamina as a monster in this one. Yeah, after what, suddenly. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, did you remember she was on the roster? Because I didn't until she walked out for this match. Uh, for the pre when the announcement was made, rather. Honestly, it kind of slips in and out of my mind. You know, I get reminded when she gets moved around in the superstar shakeups or drafts, and then I immediately forget about her because they just don't feature her on TV enough. I did appreciate them calling back to the women's uh, revolution where it was uh, Team Bad. You had Naomi, Sasha, and Tamina all in the ring together. Yeah, that was a fun callback. That was a fun callback. I mean, this match was good for what they wanted to do, and that was ultimately set up the tension between Sasha and Bailey and the eventual breakup, even though like both of them work better as heels. So I don't mm. know how you do that unless you move one of them to a different show. Yeah. But where do you send them? That's, I don't know. But other than that, I mean, this match, nothing really stood out too much in this one. I, it was a good match, decent, but nothing really right home about for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm instead of doing the next up matchup, I'm going to switch things around a little bit just because I know we're going to go along on the next matchup. So for the final matchup, uh, you had the WWE championship matchup between Brock Lesnar and Drew McIntyre. Brock Lesnar, of course, being the champion where Drew McIntyre won. Not really surprised here. I thought that Brock would retain because I figured they want to give Drew the big pop in front of a live mm-hmm. crowd. Yeah. But it made a lot of sense. Uh, very similar match to, like, Braun and Goldberg. I mean, like, yeah. everybody's in their finishers, and I think they just want to get in and out. And the post-matchup, uh, too, that they showed on Raw with Drew and the big show. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you're getting Drew over, so sure. And, like, just to even touch upon, too, because I don't really want to get into it before we get into the real main event of this segment. Uh, the Raw after Mania was kind of a little snooze fest. Yeah. Not going to lie. I mean, obviously, with everything going on, I kind of understand because usually well, yeah. that's your big debuts. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is it's not going to be 
like Raw after Manias in the past where NXT was the developmental brand and you'd have who's going to get called up. That's not the case anymore. Yeah. Like, NXT is, you know, equivalent with Raw and SmackDown. You're not going to get those big debuts, those surprise debuts, those, oh, my God, I can't believe that person's here. Like, okay, yeah, you're going to get it with, like, Bianca Belair or maybe somebody else. But, like, those days of, ooh, I want, like, you might have somebody lose on uh, the NXT TakeOver over the weekend before Raw, before uh, Mania. You go, ooh, that, you know, they've been on NXT for a while. They've pretty much done all they can at NXT. Might be time for them to be a call-up. Might still happen, but I think the kind of mystique and, and intrigue with it is kind of gone now. Well, it's interesting you say that because if they're really treating it as a third brand, then that's what they should be doing, but they should have been doing that from the jump. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That is a sign of the times because there really wasn't a big free agent signing. No. The only one I know is Killer Cross, who I think is going to debut on NXT this week. Right. But other than that, I mean, they really haven't signed anybody huge. I know no. that there is, there is a gentleman, name escapes me right now, that was signed for NXT UK. Right. Uh, the other member of Imperium, the mm. original Imperium for okay. the indie scenes, and I'm blanking on the name right now. Uh, what, Thatcher, maybe? I, maybe. I don't know. Either way, for the Night After Mania, has always been like the big reset button for everything. This one just didn't really have it. No. I mean, obviously, Bianca Belair was the highlight, and yeah. even Nia Jax now using Paige's finisher was something. And then Apollo Crews debuting yeah. were the long-lost draft picks to be named later from the last superstar shakeup. Uh, interesting, and even he had a great match against Aleister Black, which is good to see. I'd like yeah. to see Crews get pushed more. I don't know if it's going to happen after this, but wait and see. But yeah, we'll overall, see. overall, I mean, they did cap off WrestleMania and what happened there to a T, mm-hmm. but we now get to the true main event. Yes, that would be The Fiend taking on John Cena in a Firefly Funhouse. And much like a boneyard match where we didn't know what in God's name that was, we didn't know what this was. By God, was it amazing. This was, to quote Titus O'Neil, I have no words for what I watched. Uh-huh. I think every person watching it had the same reaction Titus did when the match was over. That it was just the it was the match uh, according to ProFightDB.com was 13 minutes and 48 seconds. Although I'm not sure how you count that since there was never an official bell, um, but it was 15 minutes of just solid gold. It was the best thing WWE has ever done in their entire history, and they will not top this. There is no way that I can see them top it. I don't get me wrong. I hope they top this in some fashion because that'll be even more amazing. But how you go topping this is nigh impossible. Boneyard Firefly match. Oh, my God. That's the only way you can top this. This match had so much going on and so many Easter eggs for the IWC, mm-hmm. the Internet Wrestling Community. To try putting it into words is going to be tough, and I'm going to try my best with this because what they had is John Cena come out. And it was in typical Cena, which he was waiting for the John Cena sucks chance, which, mm-hmm. uh, which was a nice little touch. Well, he was waiting for the sucks chance, and he was also looking for the people. And he's like, oh, there's nobody here. Yeah. And then magically, he's whisked away to the Firefly Funhouse. Now, mm-hmm. the only other wrestler, to my knowledge, that has gone there was one Seth Rollins. Yep. And never really said how he found the place, so I don't know if that's going to come down into some later storytelling because reasons and wrestling. Mm-hmm. But Cena winds up there, and then he does a weird this is your life. Yeah. Where he goes back to his original debut against Kurt Angle. Now they were splicing the footage. I mean, shout out to Jeremy Borash for putting this together. Yeah. Uh-huh. And everybody else was behind this because they go back to his prototype John Cena. They, dug, they dug deep into the, the museum of WWE products. I, start, I, I marked out like a madman. I'm not going to I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't the original gear. 
Oh no! I, I, like no, was... like not like not some copy that like, they look. All right, like, this looks cool. So let's just make it. But like they had it sit in some place. Yeah, and just as he seen to react to it, and then they went to the Saturday Night Main Event because the one thing that's been called John Cena has been called is modern day Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. And just to see how he's put in the, and he hates that too. No, I'm sure. But to see him put in that perspective, well, and especially they brought back the SmackDown Fest. Yeah, that was nuts. Oh, they brought back so much. I mean, the Saturday Night Main Event, and then the NWO. Uh huh. And Cena comes out as Hulk Hogan with the belt, trying to Im- imitate, you know, Undisputed Era with the uh, air guitar. Well, that was actually Hulk Hogan originally. No, he, I know. He, 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 but, he, he, but yeah, poor, man, poor man's imitation. Well, yeah, because Kyle O'Reilly is just taking that uh-huh. to a whole different level. But like Cena comes out and he's doing the NWO entrance, and it's black and white, and then it cuts back to the Vince McMahon puppet. And then the the buzzard, whose name escapes me, the buzzard was dressed as Macho Man. Mercy, Randy. Mercy was dressed as Macho Man Randy Savage, which was a phenomenal costume, I must say. Yes. And then Vince was Vince, and the writer of this match pays attention to the dirt sheets in the internet wrestling culture because whoever wrote this matchup had the puppet of Vince say, "This is such good shit." Yeah. Which, oh, I fell on the floor laughing. Which, if you don't know the backstory, that is John Moxley talking about his frustration in WWE. And how Vince would just keep saying, oh, that's good shit, son. That's good shit. I marked out. Yeah, like, yeah, it's just absolutely crazy how you would say that. Mm-hmm. And just how they wind up bringing to the Doctor of Thugonomics. And Cena, Cena, to his credit, was it was almost like, you know, he was under the spell of or the power of Bray Wyatt. Because mm-hmm. even at one point, before he got into this, I, I just had to touch upon, too. Bray was dancing with him yeah. in a circle much like the Joker did in Mad Love, if okay. I'm not mistaken, from the Batman animated series. And there's so much that I think is borrowed from the Snyder Capullo run mm. from Batman with the cutoff face mask. Sure. That it just it tied in so perfectly to where the Joker's insanity is much like Bray Wyatt's. Mm. And I know I'm kind of just combining universes here, but this is where I think just the storytelling just went to a whole different level because even when Cena was doing his Doctor of Thugonomics and still cutting a very vicious rap, Mm-hmm. Bray still had the power, and Bray was throwing it back in his face mm-hmm. about everything that Cena's had given to him yeah. and how Bray was supposed to be a big failure mm-hmm. until magically at the end, who appears but the Fiend, mm-hmm. who goes and gives him the mandible claw. Well, and even before that, we got a rehash from WrestleMania 30 mm. where it was Cena versus Bray Wyatt. That's right. And we got old school Bray Wyatt back for a minute, which was cool to see. Yeah. It was very cool just to see all the throwback and how much – you know, next level thinking this was because because mm-hmm. Bray Wyatt I think has the best mind in all of pro wrestling right mm-hmm. now, and just how far he's pl- he's playing chess with everybody else playing checkers right now. It is ridiculous how much he yeah. is just to say overthinking is an understatement. He is just so detailed in his plans to see how this all played out and to see that Cena has finally been defeated. Yeah, and we're presumably still in the Firefly Funhouse. Cena got golden shoveled. Yes. This is just a perfect way to end that feud and really yeah. give some steam back to to Bray Wyatt and kudos to everybody involved in this. Yeah, no, this, that was amazing. Yeah, to try putting this in the words is, is it's tough. You need to see it. You will be confused as Titus O'Neil's perfect facial reaction and mm-hmm. I don't know what I just saw right before they go to the main event. It was absolutely perfect. So for night two pad. Obviously, Firefly Funhouse was the number yep. one thing for you. Yep. Anything else really jumping at you? Uh, no, just because the Firefly Funhouse Funhouse dominates and just is a behemoth over everything. Like the the night was great, and there were a lot more moments, 
more WrestleMania quote unquote moments than night one, and both nights were great. But just Firefly Funhouse dominates everything. Yeah, I mean, for me, that was no, that was the number one takeaway from this weekend. Number two was Rhea Ripley's Welcome to the Big Show, so mm-hmm. to speak, because we watch her on NXT, so we know how good she is. But for a mainstream audience who has never seen her, because if you watch the ratings, you know it's obviously different between Raw and, and NXT. She really made a great showing for herself, yeah. and she really stood out in front of the crowd. The Otis Mandy thing was a nice little touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good WrestleMania moment. And Edge and Orton, I, you want to talk about old school storytelling, they put on a clinic. Absolutely loved it. And like I said, Night After Mania was nothing to write home about. We have the NXT After Mania coming up. And then whatever's going to happen on Friday night. Yeah. Because as far as we know, it has been taped already. Right. So they're not going to be doing it live, even though there was some comments that they were going to be showing SmackDown live this week. Now, I, I'm not buying any stock into that. No. So I'm presuming that it is taped, and then whatever happens after this week is anybody's guess. Mm-hmm. There's rumored that they have taped in a weeks in advance, which would be the smart thing to do yeah. if you have everybody there. Uh, but we're just going to have to wait and see. The only thing that we can say for WWE that is for certain moving forward after this week is Money in the Bank is going to be held in May. Mm-hmm. After that, who knows? It, it's anybody's guess. They could go take some time off. They could go to shutdown mode. They could have footage taped to last them through the time. We're going to have to wait and see about that. But definitely, if you want more wrestling content, head over to 3Fat Nerds Podcast Network. Check out the th- latest 3FNW show. That's the show I co-host with Rich. That you know He goes deep diving into a lot of pro wrestling topics that you definitely want to get familiar with. And hit us up on our social media accounts here, too, at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. What was your thoughts about WrestleMania as a whole? Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? We definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. These days, comic book stories are more mainstream than ever. Unfortunately, not everybody has the means to be able to consume all of this greatness. Well, if you were to join me, Brian Wayne, on the Cheers to Comics podcast, I will help guide you through the rabbit hole that is comic books. Whether you're a brand new reader that just walked out of the latest blockbuster summer Marvel movie event and just have to know the source material, or you're an old dog and just want to get a different perspective from another reader, this is the podcast for you. And when I say comic book podcast, this is a comic book podcast. No filler material. I save all of the the movie talk and all of the stuff outside of the illustrated written world of comic books for all of the other podcasts out there. This is for comic book junkies and aspiring comic book junkies only. So tune in with me, Brian Wayne, three times a week. We'll be going over dozens and dozens of books in an overviewed fashion, not necessarily a review manner. But beyond that, I hype you up every week on the books coming out on the the next week coming, as well as a bonus episode. And that could be anything from me dedicating an entire episode to uh, a single story arc or potentially even a kick-ass interview with a badass comic book creator. So if any or all of that tickles your little fancies, join me, Brian Wayne, and the rest of Slurred Nation on the Cheers to Comic Podcast as I kick back drinks and drop all types of comic book knowledge. Cheers. 
This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we're just going to go right into rounding those bases. Mine, I only got a couple because this week, 27 years ago, mm-hmm. we're talking baseball. Mm-hmm. The Sandlot hit oh, Such a good movie. Yeah, you're killing me, Smalls. Such a good movie. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. you got a lot of time right now. It's a fantastic movie. It's got James Earl Jones in it, Darth Vader, Mufasa. Yeah, and ironically, though, for me, mm-hmm. 31 years ago, the Cleveland Indians won the pennant because oh, it was okay. Major League, my all-time favorite baseball movie. Okay, that's a good one. Which, I mean, Wild Thing, Ricky Vaughn, Pedro Serrano, Willie Mays Hayes, the cast of characters in that. I'm not a fan of the sequels, but that first one is so dang classic. I wasn't sure what you were talking about, so like I thought you were talking legitimately, and I started doing math in my head. I'm like, wait, did they really? And then you said Major League. I'm like, oh, okay. No, so two great films to go check out wherever you're watching and streaming from, you know, from home. So that is all I have for my bases, but, Pat, you got some news. Yeah, uh, a couple baseball notes. First of all, uh, we got to pass along some condolences to his family and friends and the entire Detroit Tigers organization. Uh, Mr. Tiger, Al Kaline, uh, the MLB Hall of Famer who played all 22 years of his career in right field for the Detroit Tigers, passed away uh, on Monday at the age of 85. Uh, He was a 15-time All-Star all-star in 15 seasons and then a 10-time gold glove winner uh he finished his career with 3,007 hits 399 home runs fifth uh fifth 1,000 god if i could talk 1,582 runs batted in was a longtime broadcaster for the detroit tigers you know for a number of years so definitely a a big hole is felt in the city of detroit and the surrounding area so to the detroit tigers fans his uh, his family and the entire organization we here would like to send out our condolences and wish him very well uh, moving on to some baseball news that came out. Uh, it was reported by Jeff Passan from ESPN that it sounds like there's a can, there's a plan in place that could allow Major League Baseball to start as early as May in Arizona. Now, how would this work, you might ask, and I even asked that myself. Uh, according to Jeff Passan, the plan would dictate that all 30 teams play in stadiums with no fans in the Phoenix area. Uh, that would include the Arizona Diamondbacks-owned Chase Field, 10 spring training facilities and perhaps other fields nearby players coaching staffs and other essential personnel would be sequestered at local hotels where they would live in relative isolation and travel only to and from the stadium Uh, federal officials at the centers for disease control and prevention as well as the the national institutes of health have been supportive of a of a plan that would adhere to strict isolation promote social distancing and allow major league baseball to become the first professional sports to return uh mlb has issued a statement saying quote we have not settled on that option or developed a detailed plan mlb has been actively considering numerous contingency plans that would uh, allow play to commence once the public health situation has improved to the point that it is safe to do so while we have discussed the idea of staging games at one location as one potential option we have not settled on that option or developed a detailed plan close quote uh so they're, they're staying in regular contact with folks at the government and public health uh, offices you know they haven't had any approval or plan or anything with federal state or local officials but it at least it's something that they're looking at i know myself among probably many others are missing baseball right now because it'd be great to watch but 
you know, obviously circumstances being what they are, understand why they're not playing. Definitely about like said in earlier segments, better safe than sorry, but hopefully they do get back soon. And this appears to be one way. I'm not sure how the logistics of it would work out just because, okay, Chase Fields got, you know, broadcasting these things because fans are going to want to see them. Chase Fields got uh, cameras. These spring training facilities will have cameras. You know, just how are you going to work this out logistically with the TV networks and all this stuff? So it's it's something for them to figure out. It's an interesting concept, I will mm-hmm. say this. Yeah. And I think a lot of this is coming out from the meetings that uh, President Trump had with the heads of the all the major sports. Yeah, Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, PGA, WNBA, uh, tennis, uh, what is it? Um, UFC, MM, or, UFC, WWE. Uh, there's one I'm forgetting. Oh, uh, MLS. Yeah. So obviously that was being discussed. Like we were not sure really what the news was being said about that other than it was being advised mm-hmm. by, you know, the CDC and such about, you know, holding off your organizations till August. The only thing we do know is the NFL is still slated to kick off at regular yeah. season time. But for baseball, you know, if the CDC signs off on this, mm-hmm. I would say it's okay. But yeah. this just sounds very tricky to make sure 100% it would go follow through. Right. And the article go on ESPN.com goes on to say that, you know, both sides acknowledge the uniqueness of the season would not be limited to stadium location or roster size. Among the possibilities that have been discussed among people from both sides, though not in the talks on Monday, according to sources, uh, one implementing an electronic strike zone to allow plate umpire to maintain sufficient distance from the catcher and batter. Because if you haven't watched baseball, umpires are right behind the catchers for, you know, three hours. Yeah. Uh, no mound visits from the catcher or p- pitching coach could be interesting. Uh, seven inning double headers, which w- which with an earlier than expected start date could allow baseball to come back closer to a full 162 game season. Uh, regular use of on-field microphones by players as an added bonus for TV viewers, uh, much like they were doing in the spring training games on ESPN and MLB Network. My God, those were amazing, mm. where they mic'd up the batters and the, and the players in the field. I know at one point the Angels were playing the Cubs, and of course Joe Madden is now the manager of the Angels manage the Cubs to the World Series a few years ago. So you had an opportunity for Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo of the uh, Chicago Cubs to catch up with their old manager, Joe Madden. And plus, just just look up the compilations on YouTube. They were absolutely phenomenal. Uh, another one, sitting in an empty, in empty stand six feet apart, the recommended social distancing space instead of in a dugout. Uh, so just some more options to look at that they are uh, discussing. Well, like I say, if the CDC signs off on it, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Uh, albeit, though, it just sounds very tricky to mm-hmm. make sure that everybody's being safe with this. There's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, there's so much moving on with that that I I don't I don't even know where you you begin with that because mm-hmm. obviously if you're going to stage everything in Arizona, yep. What does that mean for your season ticket holders? And obviously mm-hmm. they get their money refunded, but still, well, the teams are already having to figure that out because the season should have started already, right? But there's, there's people missing out on games, but especially. It, if they, you know, I'm sure that'd be the easiest thing to remedy. Mm-hmm. But then when you talk about home field advantage, you don't have one. Yeah. And, Unless you're the Diamondbacks. Yeah, which, I mean. Because you're playing 100 and whatever games essentially at home. Right. I mean, for that kind of aspect, I, I think it's, it's going to be a little tricky. I mean, because mm-hmm. they'll just refund money and then yeah. they just call it a day with that. Yeah. But just to make sure that everybody's being safe and especially limiting mound visits. and You know what they could do? I just thought of something that would be good once this all gets started. Home run derby, but aside aside from the actual home run derby, home run derby, every home run, whatever the dollar amount they can come up with uh, towards you know helping with this disease outbreak, 
metal bats. Hell yeah, dude. I'm down get for that. Get like Aaron Judge, Giancarlo, get like all the big power hitters. Bing. Judge, Stanton, Trout, Har- Harper with metal bats. My God. Ping. That'd be so – you would get a lot of people watching that. Oh, that would, I would actually really <laughs> watch that. That would just be crazy to see just live. Get a, get a couple of like recent retirees to come back, you know, just for one night to swing some home runs for charity. That would be a great way for baseball to do it, to help raise some money for the cost. Because mm-hmm. like, obviously every little bit would help right now. I mean, yeah. Just to get sports back on track, it, it's a tough challenge. And, I, and I'm not disputing the fact about trying to do it. But we have to be safe and we have to be smart about this. If this method can work, sure. But we really, I just really want to see them go analyze everything to the letter because the minute somebody gets sick mm-hmm. it's on a team, Yep, it's the fault of the, the organization for bringing the games back and putting yeah. players in danger. Same thing with the UFC that we've been talking about. Same thing WWE has taken an awful risk doing. Mm-hmm. But WWE has been smart about it, but... How are you going to do that with a team of you know uh, of baseball roster on each team? Yeah, and then no, it, it's and definitely something you got to be careful with. But I think the good sign is they're working with the proper officials. Yes, on this, you know, they're not doing this willy nilly, trying to figure this out and just kind of winging it. They're working with the folks that are in the know, know what's going on, and can give the best recommendations out of everybody. Yeah, at least they're not building it on an island. I'm sorry, I'm still not over that. Yeah, but we'll have to wait and see about that. But if we can get baseball back on track, I'm here for it. Yes. That being said, the music you heard on this episode of the ODPH podcast is that of Fair City Fire. Now, our good friend Brian Wolf was doing some acoustic work on the Facebook page. So if you want to know how do I get to face Fair City Fire's Facebook page, try saying that three times fast, go to ochoduroparlayhour.com slash music. You can check out Fair City Fire. You can check out Shout at the Robots. You can check out Second Suitor, who's currently running a contest on their Facebook page. And Tyler from Second Suitor did the Tyler Mania WrestleMania pre-show from the front of his house because he's on stay-home duty. All right. And had over 2,200 views, which is not too shabby, no, I would say. No, not at all. So shout-out to Tyler. Uh, Yard Party's on there, too. They just got a brand-new album out, In Search of an Exit. It is excellent. You need to go download that. Floodlands, who they're working on more music, too. Tom Jolu, who, depending on when you hear this podcast, is going to be doing live uh, acoustic set, I think, from his Facebook page as well. Everybody's doing everything on Facebook. So you're saying, well, I don't know where everybody's is. Like I say, swing on over to the music section of the ODPH webpage. Over there, too, you can also check out the ODPH directory where we have links to Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming. Shout out to Tom. We have Excite Wrestling and everything they're doing on their YouTube page. We also have links to all the pod groups that we are in. So shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to the Legion of Independent Podcasts and shout out to the Apocalypse community and a big, big shout out to 8122 Productions. Yeah. Because this week is the two-year anniversary of the Three Fat Nerds podcast. Rich, Ron, and hashtag Big Natty Cool Diesel, who is also on Twitter still. Oh, Lord. Still on Twitter, still bringing that heat. Dial H for the heat. Um, They've been putting in so much work, and to see those guys hit the two-year mark they put in so much effort and bringing so much content. It is truly remarkable. I'm truly proud to say that they are friends of ours. And if you have not heard everything that they have going on over there, you need to go over there. We have links to all their social media accounts. So definitely hop on board, say congratulations, download some episodes, hit that sub button. And if you're going to sub, you need to sign up for their Patreon. So patreon.com slash 8122productions. $1 gets you in the door. $3 gets you a comfier seat at the table. And you can have all the love is scary you can handle. 
and Derek has more episodes coming. Oh, boy. And there is talk now. It was officially announced that Ron has something in the works for the Patreon. Ten bucks says it's not safe for work. Maybe, maybe not, because if it's involving a certain movie franchise, I will say it's probably not. Oh. I will say very much so. Now, what is that movie franchise? I'm not the gonna room. Go, I'm not gonna. Oh, that'll be something I need to get behind a Patreon wall about and go. Maybe Rich will let me cut a shoot there. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But to find out what Ron is going to be cooking up there, and to also see what Chef Boyard Diesel is going to be cooking on Love Is Scary. Well played. Thank you. Head on over to their Patreon. Sign up. Salute to those guys. They've been putting in a lot of work, a lot of content, and it's all worth the time to check out. So if you haven't, get familiar. And on the ODPH website, we also have to plug. May 27th through the 31st, live stream for The Cure is going down. We are going to be a part of that. So shout out to Nick and Justin from Epic Film Guys. They're allowing us to come on. They're going to be running that on their Twitch channel. So twitch.tv slash Epic Film Guys. Go over there. Hit the sub button there so you're all set. And we are going to be on May 31st between 1 and 2 p.m. helping to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute. It's a great cause. Anything to say fuck cancer, we're down for so definitely head on over there. You can see the link right on ochoduropalayhour.com. Get familiar with what's going on there. Donate if you can, and it's truly for a great cause. Everything ODPH is on ochoduroparlayhour.com because that's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you. Thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. <laughs>